0: Buy low, sell high. This is TFG Unbuttoned. It's the Focus Group Unbuttoned with Tim Bennett and John Nash, an off the cuff take on politics, pop culture, and current events. Hello, everybody. Tim Bennett here. As always, with my good friend and co host, Mr. John Nash. We are TFG Unbuttoned, our Tuesday podcast from the Focus Group. Be sure to join us every Tuesday right here or tfg unbuttoned and also follow along with us during the week at focusgroupradio.com we find all of our media house there including our show which is the focus group with tim bennett and john nash as well as our social media which is focus group radio primarily on the facebook so uh find all of our all of our pictures and things there mr nash how are you doing
1: good doing very good um enjoying some of this uh late summer lack of humidity weather (laughs) which i have no complaints about and uh you know getting ready for some upcoming things that i'm looking forward to for example i think the first time i'm going to go to a movie theater
0: you are where are you going
1: well in october this month uh they're releasing the movie dune which has been held and held and held because of the uh, pandemic and this is one of those rare things where I'm more than happy to go sit in a theater, an IMAX theater in particular, to see Dune. I'm really excited about that.
0: Didn't we watch Dune in Seattle, you and I and my friend Jerry? I think that's possible,
1: yeah. Um, yeah, but that was the original movie with Kyle McLaughlin, and it's kind of a mess and a glorious mess, I call it, because I actually can watch it. But um they really tried to cross all the T's and dot all the I's in that one. And and Dune is a very sprawling book. I mean, it's like a big political. Science fiction thing, and uh, to cram it all into two and two and a half hours—I think it was a Dino De Laurentiis film—is close to impossible. So I'm curious to see what Denis Villeneuve, who did the uh, this version of Dune, um, all the rave. The reviews out of Europe have been rave, and so far everybody loves it who's seen it. But I keep hearing. Um, that, you know, you keep reading these things in the trades that this is a movie meant to be seen in the movie theaters and it's going to be released simultaneously on HBO Max. You know, they did that for a while or they have been doing that with major releases, but I, I wish they would just make it a theatrical release and then, you know, wait for a while and put it back on TV.
0: Is it in English or is it in something? Oh,
1: else? yeah, yeah, yeah. Timothy Chalamet stars as uh, Paul Traides, and uh, many of our listeners will remember Timothy Chalamet from uh, Call Me By Your Name. Um and uh he supposedly makes a great paul and uh a great cast um filling out some of these roles many many people who listen to our show i'm sure know dune because they're science fiction fans so i'm looking forward to that
0: i remember it being very orange
1: <laughs> well that's correct because arrakis the planet this takes place on is in fact a desert and uh, yeah, they mine
0: spice there, uh, melange, I think they call it. And, is it um, saffron is orange. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, I just remember being orange, which I think can kind of almost put you in a daze a little bit if, if you if and I remember that being very kind of you know, yeah, you, you described
1: Star Wars that way as well. And a lot of Star Wars takes place on desert planets, so you're pretty close well, there. Star Wars,
0: I always <laughs> thought was grayish, gray blue tones, okay? Yeah, that's Doom, okay, Dune's I mean, orange. Yeah. orange orange very good yeah i'm like linda lauren with the colors right (laughs) what color today orange we're on Dune. it's your it's your birthday birthday week john you're lucky with the weather with these birthdays were you as, as a kid always had birthday parties outside in this great weather
1: sometimes we did yeah if the weather was okay i was actually i just found a trove of old pictures um and one of them was a birthday party. It must have been on a road we lived on called Joy Road, which was sort of a strange thing that I thought about. <laughs> Sounds like American was... beauty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it because yeah, there was very little joy on Joy Road, I'll tell you that much. Now, now that I know what was going on with my parents. and
0: Where you know, was Joy Road? Was that in Connecticut?
1: Literally, you know, it's it's literally as the crow flies to our current home, maybe an eighth of a mile away. It's, uh, but to road. get there, you had to go back. It's a kind of a weird road to get to, but... Little house that we had, a cape, you know, with the dormers, the whole bit. Joy Road, and it was a, it was, a, I guess, it was an ice cream party because I'm looking at the pictures and remember those cardboard hats with this, the oh, elastic, yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> with the Joy little cone. road. And between heartache and pain, what happens on Joy Road? there you go. The soap opera.
1: Joy I'm adding road. that to uh, my list of short stories to tackle someday. You know, <laughs> I'm just, I think I'll just t- title that one Joy Road, right? Joy I mean, Road it says it, it, it says it all. It says it all. Could yeah.
0: be a series, you know. <laughs> Actually, that could be the name of our, name of our, that could actually be Joy Ranch. That could be the, <laughs> that could be the name of our musical we're working on.
1: Oh, I saw your playlist on YouTube, by the way. I, I hi- hardly concur on the uh, the selections for this particular. Tim and I want to do a jukebox musical. We have a particular subject matter in mind, and I think you're right. You know, Joy Ranch could be kind of, it could be kind of a nice nod to our past and also our our future right
0: oh yeah no i think listen, listen i think we're we're, we're on to something we just need somebody to write the book which i think will take no time at all well we we you know you know people you and i know people when i don't you know why we don't do it we just need millions right how, how, what's the cost to put on a play broadway well
1: in the beginning stages writing the book and getting stuff done it's whatever your time is and how much the paper costs right but eventually you need to get Stage a musical it. director yeah you need, to, you need you need money money you and i love priscilla queen of the Desert. Which was, when they put it on Broadway, basically a jukebox musical, right? Right. And from must, song to song, yeah. to song to song to song. Must yeah.
0: have cost a fortune, but anyway. It was, it was comical. I don't know why it didn't last, but anyway. John had, uh, so our, our stories this week, John had found uh, a couple of these, and then the last one um, I'm sure a lot of people have seen, but I thought uh, I threw in for good measure. And uh, after reading it, even laughed more, more so and liked her even more, so we'll get to that one in the end. But The first one I think is brilliant. I'm glad you found this. TikTokers are trading stocks by copying what members of Congress do. (laughs) Isn't this clever? (laughs) I I think this is brilliant. And I think you and I should take 20 bucks and and, and try this for a month or two and see if we make any money. So there's these TikTokers that uh, have been following what um, Nancy Pelosi, who says she's not doing it, but her husband is, but essentially looking at what some members of Congress are doing. In terms of their stock trades because there's a a law that's been passed called the stock act which requires lawmakers to disclose their trades or the trades of their spouses within 45 days part of me thought that may be too late in other words if they hurry up and buy something right you get in you get out with your stocks it may be too late uh if you find out 45 days later but these guys uh guys and girls or these people had been looking at the, the trades of some of these members of Congress, thinking that they may know something that we don't, or they may have insider trading, which everybody thinks they do because they know what's going on. Particularly, there's a, a little story later on in the article about uh, what happened with the event and how people were able to sell stuff and uh, seem to be smartly selling stuff before any of us knew what the event was going to do to certain areas of the economy. But I thought this was brilliant, and they said generally that, um, they've done pretty well by doing this. I mean, I, I thought this was a smart thing. What did you think? Well,
1: there was two things that I had as a takeaway. If they're doing well and they're doing it 45 days after the fact, I, I do think there's something that holds water to all this. So, you know, cause of the stock act that Tim mentioned, it's a spouse, you, you're a spouse. Usually it's the spouse. You have to report this activity and it's public. Um, Pelosi's husband is, in fact, a financier and a trader, and so these things come up frequently. But what I marvel at is, so you look at what they've done. It's a time machine. You're looking at stuff that happened 45 days ago, but if you put your money into it and it succeeds, then you say to yourself, what do they know that we don't know, right? Yeah. And, of course, they're they're able to act a lot sooner. So NPR reported uh, back at the beginning of the pandemic that Senate Intelligence Committee Chairman Richard Burr you know, after a group of meetings, he privately warned a small group of well-connected constituents in February of 2020 about the dire effects of the coming virus, and he sold up to 1.72 million worth of personal stock on a single day that same month. You don't think that looks any bit like that's suspicious, right? Right. And and again, a, a, another group of Senators, Feinstein, James inoff and Kelly Leffler, again. All they were cleared of any insider trading issues, or you know, I don't even know how that works. But it seems suspicious that they all like kind of walked out of the uh-huh. meeting and dumped stuff.
0: <laughs> Martha Stewart went to jail for this, by the way. Friend of hers stole a bracelet, right? Friend, for in jail, she learned. Remember, she taught people how yeah. to, to make ponchos and and mm-hmm. and make good food out of the, the toaster oven at the at the penitentiary in, in West Virginia. I, you know, because Feinstein, you know, she's out to lunch. She should retire. Um But yeah. I well, I was shocked at this. Also, did I read this right? It says Nancy Pelosi just bought eleven million. Is that that
1: was the tick? Yeah, I was, I was staring. So Tim's referring to the NPR. This came from NPR, and there's a group of pictures in the article, and what and there's screen grabs from TikTok, and one of them just says whale alert because they call her a whale because apparently she's a big investor and it's always successful. Nancy Pelosi just bought, and yeah, Tim. Eleven million, it says, in four stocks. I mean, it was eleven comma zero 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 comma That's eleven million.
0: <laughs> right. And they also call her the Queen. Then the, the next screen grab says the Queen of investing just spent three hundred thousand on this stock. It's an under ten dollar yeah. stock. So, yeah, I'm thinking. You know, I wonder if we. Hey, listen, she obviously knows something, or her husband knows something. They're they're, billionaires, right? And, you know.
1: Well, you know, and and th- th- back to this Congress thing. There's a congressman, uh, Congressman Raja Krishna a Democrat from Illinois, is part of a bipartisan group in the House and Senate who's they've introduced legislation banning lawmakers from owning individual stocks. And he has this quote that kind of makes you just stop in your tracks. He says, "Quote: As I understand it, one of the perks of being a member of Congress, especially from the late 1800s on, was to be able to trade on insider information." That was a perk of being in Congress, and that has got to come to an end. I mean, hello, <laughs> right? It's like, you know, I don't know. And they did say later on, though, one guy said, look, if you're going to um, you don't bank on this, you could easily just you could just as easily lose a lot of money because they're not necessarily more right or more wrong. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. They said that at the end of the day that they did look at some senators and they found out that when they did follow some of the senators that, uh, they weren't necessarily any smarter than anybody else in terms of picking stock or, or having success. So maybe not a smart idea to follow. But I think if you did follow somebody like a Pelosi or a husband, I mean they didn't get, uh-huh. they didn't get wealthy by uh by not accident. Knowing. Yeah, no, exactly, yeah. exactly.
1: So there, just for our listeners, there's just if you want to Google this, there's something called House Stock Watcher or Sten- Senate Stock Watcher. And you can sign up and get alerts and see what these guys are doing. And I, Tim, I don't know. I am with you. Maybe you take 300 bucks. Yeah. I think he has to be more than 20 to make a significant difference, but let's say you turn, it's the bread and the fishes, right? The loaves and the fishes. Let's say you take 500 bucks and you turn it into 3000.
0: Well, I'd say that's a good day, right? (laughs) Well, I I think we'll, we'll talk about this offline and we'll see what happens. Yeah, (laughs) I agree. Okay. Right. Exactly. So this next story is about a, uh, a funeral home ad that uh, spreads the message for the, uh, the unvaccinated. And uh, this reminded me of something that uh, a, smart, a smart tactic that I thought you would do. So initially, this, this comes off as there was a black truck driving around Charlotte during the uh, Carolina Panthers game uh, against the New Orleans Saints. And so th- it was um, disguised as, or it was a funeral home, or looked as to be a funeral home truck or a funeral home advertisement. That essentially advertises Wilmore Funeral Home, and it said "Don't get vaccinated" on the back, so it looked like an advertisement. um, You know, "Don't get vaccinated," and you know we'll take care of you, and uh, which you know made people kind of stop in their tracks and get jolted. But then, when you actually, if you went to the Wilmore Funeral Home or went to visit their website, you found out that it actually was encouraging you to get vaccinated so you don't die. So this this was done by an ad agency. Because they felt that a lot of this, you know, get vaccinated or get the shot or don't be foolish or all the other things that government advertising tries to do to encourage people to um, get vaccinated, was not necessarily working. Considering I think less than what's it, less than sixty percent of our population is still fully yeah fully vaccinated, which we just uh, a lot of us don't understand. So um so this site actually that this ad ad agency called Boone Oakley put together um directs you then to a, an area uh, a clinic I guess in North Carolina called StarMed which can vaccinate you. I thought it was a very smart smart use of advertising.
1: <laughs> well, it's a smart use of reverse psychology, right? I I I did, so they as Tim said, you know, these guys looked at the problem and said, okay, we've been giving away Super Bowl tickets, money, free dinners, all this stuff to encourage people to do the right thing and uh Reverse psychology. Hey, don't do it. We're happy if you don't do it because business is going to be rural. It's like we went to school with uh uh, in high school, Tim and I went to school with a girl whose dad owned the local, one of the local funeral homes. And you know, one time we were at I was at Carol's house, we were doing homework together, and he comes home and I said and I said, Hey, Mr. Z, how's the uh how's business? Well, John, they're just dying to get in. (laughs) You know, that's funeral home talk. So there you go, right? Don't do it. We'll have we have more business for us. And it did, in fact, get some people to do it. Uh, there was a little bit of nervousness about the organization StarMed that they hooked up with. So you would click on that, you know, the Wilmer funeral home thing, and it would take you to a link to set up an appointment at StarMed for a vaccination. They were worried that, that they could get pushback or it seems to not have happened. Um, but, yeah, I thought it was a kind of a clever and fun idea in the sense that it's, you know, just one of those wink, wink, you know, and and. Yeah. You know, this piggybacks on something that was, a uh, a lot of people have heard that a number of conservative right-wing radio hosts have passed away from, uh, from contracting COVID. And someone recently wrote an article that, um, now they think that like Howard Stern has talked about this, about, Hey, if you're, if you haven't gotten it, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to cry any tears over your loss, whatever. They now think that it's a reverse, reverse psychology that the left is doing, that the uh, the libs don't want you to get vaccinated. And so they're, you know, how much crazier do you have to get to start warping the world to fit your view? Right.
0: So <laughs> <And> I <laughs> than have than zero the- sympathy. I know I know you're a lot more compassionate than I am. I have zero sympathy. If you don't want to get it, I hope you die.
1: That's, that's well, the- I don't I never go as far as you. If you don't want to yep. get it, you don't want to get it. But it's like,
0: nope, you're that- going to get it. Everyone's going to get it. So if, well, you don't have the, if you don't have the shot, you're going to die. So guess what? If you want to die, don't get the shot. See that that you just
1: you just went to the core of something that a lot of the the people that haven't gotten don't understand is that, you know, eventually because of humanity and how we move about, like the virus will you'll come in contact with it. There's no doubt about it. There might be enough of it to cause an infection. It right. doesn't
0: care if you love Jesus, it doesn't care if you're a Republican, it doesn't care who you voted for.
1: Doesn't care if you live in Montana or Idaho. And by the way, some of these states out west have now implemented critical care, you know, like triage practically, because their their hospitals are overwhelmed. And ninety-six point six percent of the overwhelming patients entering those hospitals are unvaccinated. So yeah. So clever one, this one about uh, you know, don't yeah. get vaccinated. Willmore funeral home.
0: Yeah, it's good. Smart use. And then Elvira. We've always uh for many years we've talked about Elvira on the show and and we've always um Always liked her as a as Love a her. as a character on, on or as a I guess as a character or caricature around Halloween. She always seems to pop up. And uh and so there was a headline I had seen, and I've read it in a couple of different places. I thought this one was the funniest one though, out of the New York Post. And it uh, she essentially she's done a memoir that she's released and she really, really drops the uh drops the T, I guess as they as they say. Uh, the memoir is called Yours Cruelly, Elvira, Memoirs of the Mistress of the Dark. She's 70 years old. Uh, the memoir just came out September 21st. And she details very candidly about her, uh, her life. But she also reveals, which was a surprise to me, I never saw this coming, that she's had a romantic relationship with a female and been in a lesbian relationship for 19 years, which I, did you see that coming? No, not no, (laughs) not at all. I I,
1: I'm pleasantly surprised because I love her as a, you know, she's just been, she's just been a lot of fun and I think she's entertained a great many people and she's been a friend of the community and I know she always used to do, didn't she do something down at the Philadelphia, that prison outside of Philadelphia on Halloween? Yep. And she's
0: always, she's always has been LGBT friendly. Oh yeah. But I just thought it was just because she was a cool person and uh, an ally um, not knowing, of course. She doesn't reveal who this person is. I imagine the person's private, but it was a trainer out in, out in Hollywood. But I did love some of her dish about her oh. being in Vegas. And doesn't she sound like she'd be a hoot to hang out with? She sounds like you're kind of gal, John. I was, I was laughing about when she said she was a go-go girl. She wanted to go to a tits and feathers show in Vegas, how she was sleeping with different people. And I loved her thing about Tom Jones. He's probably very happy about what she said. Remember what she said about Tom Jones?
1: Well, he heard her. Um a consensual <laughs>
0: well he heard her.
1: <laughs> well, with his his uh with his manhood there, a consensual romp in bed with Tom Jones, he sent her to the emergency room for an internal injury. The singer was, alas, a bit too well endowed. Several years later she was in Vegas, saw his show, went backstage and said, Remember me? She said to Jones, You're the one with the scars on your back from the childhood burn. And they explained that. Well, we should go back to that. And he said, uh, still annoyed because she had suddenly cut their romp short because obviously it hurt her. Um, My favorite was Elvis, though, because when she was in Vegas, she had a lot of scrapes with famous people and she did a lot of things. But she said, of all people, it was a long conversation with Elvis, who was making his 69 comeback in Vegas that changed her life. He wrapped his arms around her, kissed her tenderly and advised, if you ever want to make anything out of yourself, never do drugs. Take vocal lessons and get the heck out of Dodge. <laughs> in other words, you got to be far away from here to do something. It's kind of cool. Huh?
0: Yeah, no. And it's funny that um, he had mentioned the drug thing because isn't that what did him in?
1: I mean, yes, I don't think he yeah. probably
0: thought it was drugs, right? They put him on it was yeah. his sleeping pills or something crazy.
1: So, you know, many people know that she she had an accident in her youth and they actually described it here. They said in 1951, she, she was born in Manhattan, Kansas. They were farmers. An accident that occurred when 18-month-old Cassandra was home alone would later, ironically, turn out to be one of the best things that ever happened to her. The toddler dragged a chair, a kitchen, a chair over to the kitchen stove to inspect eggs her mother was boiling for Easter. You know, they used to be fascinating to watch. She lost her balance and grabbed onto the handle of the cast iron pot, pulling it over on her. The scalding water etched third-degree burns into her skin, melted the hair on her head, and fused her eyelids shut. Skin on her stomach and thighs was grafted onto her badly burned body and required months of painful healing and left permanent scars. It's one of the reasons why she wears her costumes a certain way and um, where she only showed reveals part of herself, but what, what a thing, right?
0: Yeah. And it, and it, it made the family move. And then she, she got, uh, yeah, it got her into these costume things, but she said she always loved putting on costumes and putting on, putting on, I guess the equivalent of drag as she saw people lip sync. She said, I've been doing that since I was a kid. And yeah. uh, she made a yeah. career out of it. So no, I just thought um, her whole story, I mean, the, the book sounds if, if this article, this little article that we found was as entertaining and as dishy as the book, she talks about Andy Williams and, and Jimmy Hendrix. Oh, I think and, this is a must read. Yeah. The book is called
1: Yours Cruelly, Elvira. Yeah. Memory Memoirs of the Mistress of the Dark. I mean, I, I don't, I, th- I have not encountered one person um, who, uh, you know, has a problem with Elvira. Did, did you also catch that part about Wilt Chamberlain Yeah. <laughs> at the beginning of the article? It talks about her, um, you know, and, uh, meeting people. And she said, uh, as, as well as encounters with some of the celebrity worlds, big, among them late basketball star, Wilt Chamberlain, whom she claims forced oral sex on her. When a 7-foot, 1,300-pound man has his hand wrapped around your neck, there's really not a lot you can do, she writes of the athlete, who boasted in his 1991 memoir of you from above that he had slept with 20,000 women in his lifetime. She says, I had to wonder how many of those women actually consented having <laughs> to having sex with
0: them. Which, right. which I think what she was saying there was, had he still been around, he'd probably be in jail. Yes, that's what her, yeah. yeah. She she yeah
1: so i i'm actually thinking of picking this one up yours cruelly elvira memoirs of the mistress of the dark uh, so that's a good one so uh tim found that one by the way and I, I loved i had seen this pop up a few times i was like this is just fantastic so uh thanks for joining us today on TFG Unbutton. we want to thank our partner here critics choice video america's classic movie and tv authority since 1987 visit them by visiting focusgroupradio.com and clicking on their logo And while you're at focusgroupradio.com, you can catch The Focus Group, which uh, we usually air on Wednesdays from 1 to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And uh, that also has a video component as well. So everybody, please uh, have a great week. Stay safe. And again, thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you in the new one.
0: It's the Focus Group Unbuttoned with Tim Bennett and John Nash. Available every Tuesday. Learn more about Tim and John, Unbuttoned, and all of the Focus Group platforms at focusgroupradio.com.